This is Living Forever, Not an Option, a podcast brought to you by Care Dimensions, a provider of hospice, palliative care, and support services in Massachusetts. Your hosts are Lynn Skarmis and Mary Crow. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Living Forever, Not an Option. This is our first episode called Understanding Hospice and Palliative Care. Our topic today is how hospice and palliative care can impact your life. My name is Lynn Skarmis. And my name is Mary Crow. Why are we starting this podcast? Because so many people are afraid to talk about end of life. Let's remember that because we don't talk about end of life doesn't mean it won't happen. There are so many resources and services available to people and loved ones who are living with a terminal illness. Let's take this time to listen, learn, and understand how palliative care and hospice can have a positive impact on our lives because, remember, living forever is not an option. Not yet, anyways. First, we want to tell you a little bit about our organization, Care Dimensions. Care Dimensions is the largest provider of palliative care and hospice services in Massachusetts. We're a nonprofit organization that has been caring for patients and families for over 40 years. Mary and I have both worked for Care Dimensions for many years. Mary, can you let everyone know a little bit more about yourself? Sure, Lynn. I am the Director of Professional and Community Education at Care Dimensions. I am, by profession, I'm a medical social worker for the past 35 years, and all of my career I have spent caring for people with an advanced illness or at end of life. Great, and I'll tell you what people call Mary Crow at Care Dimensions. She is our rock star (laughs) because she educates people all the time on the benefits of palliative care, um, hospice, and everything around end-of-life issues. So I'm not the rock star, but my background, again, Lynn Skarmis, my background is in business development. I am the VP of Provider Relations at Care Dimensions. I've I've worked in home care and hospice for over 25 years, and myself and a team of wonderful people work daily to educate doctors, nurses, social workers, case managers, patients, and families on the benefits of working with Care Dimensions. I know that not all people know the difference between palliative care and hospice. It is confusing. And also, who may be appropriate for these services? Mary, can you give us an overview between, you know, around palliative care and hospice? Sure. So, you know, hospice care is a philosophy of care. And this philosophy of care or this comprehensive approach in caring for people with a terminal or an advanced illness. Hospice care, again, is a philosophy of care. It surrounds care and comfort. It's all about dignity, and it's about living fully for whatever time the person has left. And we can get into some more details around hospice too, Lynn, but let me give you a distinction in terms of hospice and palliative care, where hospice care is actually, again, a benefit that a person will qualify in terms of coming on to service. Palliative care is a consultative service. And that is something that, again, you do not have to have a terminal illness, but it can help with a variety of things like pain or symptom management, and it can also help with having advanced or goals of care conversation. So those are just kind of a quick overview, but if you want to get deeper into that, we can. Okay, and and really, um, that's terrific, Mary. Um, And also what I hear all the time, it's all about, you know, hospice and palliative care. It's all about, you know, quality of life. What brings quality to these um, patients and families? Because hospice and palliative care is not just for um, patients, it's for the families also, right? Absolutely, yes. And it's not just about the person. Whenever somebody has an advanced or a terminal illness, it affects the whole system, that's for sure. So that's one of the wonderful things about hospice and palliative care, that it works with the patient and all of the people that love and support them. 
Okay, Mary, so I know hospice isn't a new concept. It's been around for quite a while. Can you give us a little background about, you know, when it started, where it started? Sure. You know, a lot of times, Lynn, people think that hospice is kind of this new phenomenon because they're hearing a lot more about hospice, fortunately, um, now. But actually, hospice traces back to medieval times, caring for weary travelers. So this has been around a long time. You know, I, I actually love the history of hospice. You know, Dame Cicely Saunders was actually the founder of the modern hospice movement. And she's actually the person who founded St. Christopher's Hospice in London in 1967. Dame Cicely Saunders was a nurse turned social worker turned physician. She was her own little interdisciplinary team. So she she really understood this concept. So, you know, Dame Cicely Saunders was actually working with people and understanding that there's much more to a person than just the physical pain, that there was this emotional and the spiritual pain that it can occur too, that people can be suffering in a number of different ways. So she really, she kind of coined this concept of total pain that, that you're caring for a person's spirit, mind, and body. And if that you're not caring for the total person, that we're really missing the boat. So she really understood that. Now, hospice came to the United States in the 1970s, and that's how it started. It, it didn't start, you know, people think that it starts as a place. This is a philosophy of care, but certainly when it came to the 70s, then it started out in that way. Mary, um, do I remember reading something that hospice was started or run by volunteers at some point and there was no payment system for it? Yeah, another wonderful thing about hospice care is that it was founded by a grassroots group of volunteers. Um, Volunteers are still a major, major part of hospice care now, but um, in terms of the coverage, Hospice actually was not a covered benefit until the 80s, the mid-80s. We live in such a death-denying society. Back in the mid-70s, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross went before Congress, and she talked to them about, regardless of the fact that we're a death-denying society, we still need, that we're not caring for people properly at this very, very important stage of life. And it took another decade nearly before hospice became a covered benefit in the mid-80s. And do you really think it's probably because no one, even to this day, wants to talk about hospice or about death and dying? Yes, absolutely, Lynn. It's, you know, we are, like I said, we're such a death-denying society. It's interesting. In our culture, again, we even refer to people as the dying. We put them in a separate category like it's not us. We actually have over a thousand euphemisms around death and dying. We don't even use the words. We say things like kick the bucket, pushing up daisies, expired, passing on. We use these words, and the reason why euphemisms are used because it's uncomfortable to us. We use words that we find that are are more tolerable to us. But, you know, in fact, to say that a person's expired, I I think old food expires, not human beings. So that actually, the word expired is more offensive to me than the word death and dying. But you can see in our culture how we have such a hard time having these conversations and saying the words and what they are. We still are this death-denying society. And even though that death is a stage of life, we don't talk about it like it, you know, like this is something that we're not going to ever have to face. I know. I have to tell you, people are afraid of it. But I love your words, death-denying society. I want people to hear that again because even when we were thinking about doing this podcast and we think it's so important to get the message out here, it took me a long time to figure out the title of the podcast. And, you know, we, we were afraid to put the word death in there. We were afraid to put the word hospice in the podcast because we didn't want people to turn the podcast off and think, oh, we don't need to listen to that because that's not going to happen to me. So really, if you think of the title, Living Forever, Not an Option. 
everybody thinks they're going to live forever. I mean, look at the commercials, look at the, you know, the exercise, the beauty creams, everything we try to do to maintain and live forever. But at the end, our bodies do break down. We're not meant to live forever right now. So really, everyone, it's not an option. So the more educated, I believe, people become in, you know, the role of end of life, chronic illness, serious illness, and the the services that are out there, and they are called palliative care and hospice, the more educated everybody is, the more people can understand the options that are available and can have that, and I'm going to use the word wonderful, but, you know, it's a death, but you can have a quality, good death. That's you right. don't have to die alone or in pain or you know, in a hospital bed, you can have a qual, and you can have quality of life before that death too. There's so much that can be done. You know, when you're diagnosed with that, again, people don't like to hear it, but that terminal illness, and you might have, you know, someone telling you you have two, three months to live, there still can be quality there, right? Absolutely. Am I on the right track? You are totally. And you know, a, a couple of different things that you said. You know, nobody has ever gotten out of this world alive yet. That's it's, right. it's just the way it is. Really so you and I aren't going to either? I don't think so. Okay, I'm well, just I mean, We're going to try. We're going to try, but, All right. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, so that's one thing. The other thing, too, is that I want to talk about that you brought up is, you know, listen, advanced illness or, or illness in general or um, death or dying, it's not a respecter of age so that we know that this affects people at all ages. So, you know, we, we put this off. We don't want to talk about it because we think yeah, this is just for people who are aged and, and who have infirmity. Unfortunately, this can affect anybody at any time. And you're absolutely right. You know, this, this, this word, people keep bringing up the hospice word or the H word, and they run from this. Hospice is not a bad word. Hospice means hospitality. It's the connotation that we put to it. So again, I feel like we don't we don't want to not use the word hospice. I want to change mindsets that hospice is not a bad thing because it isn't. Hospice is not about dying. It's about living, living fully for whatever time a person has left. This is a wonderful, wonderful service and benefit that people are entitled to. And actually, Mary, when you're saying the, you know the word hospice. Care Dimensions um, started back 40 years ago, mm-hmm. and the original name was Hospice of the North Shore, and then it turned into Hospice of the North Shore in Greater Boston because our territory increased. But back in 2014, all the research we did and all the focus groups we did, everybody said, you got to get the word Hospice out of your title. So, you know, we changed the name, and but you know what? We don't just do hospice. Right. We do palliative care and support services, so we really, really were doing an injustice to our own organization, calling ourselves Hospice of the North Shore, but changing the name to Care Dimensions, but our tagline underneath being Hospice, Palliative Care, and Support Services, because we do so much more than hospice. That's right. But I think also, I hate to say it, the name change, Care Dimensions, walking into a patient's room or talking to a family and saying we're from Care Dimensions instead of Hospice of the North Shore it's it's a it eases them in because of the connotation of the word hospice. It's a little bit easier um, conversation starting with care dimensions. Do you think? Do you yeah. think I'm on the right track? Yeah, or? and I think that um, you know I do think that we don't shy away. Even no, though never. I hear what you're saying, and and I do, and I love the fact that we don't shy away from it because we know that this is something that is it's a, it's it's something that is such a benefit that people are deserving of, and um, so but. 
but it does it did narrow us in right because people thought we just covered the North Shore or Greater Boston we do so much more than that so it's important that people have that and I do like about that dimension of care that you're talking mm-hmm. about because people were locked in that hospice was all that we were doing and it is it's the hospice palliative and support piece so I think it uh, it better represents really the the overall arch of what the what the organization does so and and truly even with you know we talk about hospice palliative care and support services but we you know the education that we do so there's a huge educational piece Mm -hmm. um to care dimensions that you know one of our goals and one of our missions is to educate you know the communities the medical professionals on on what palliative care and hospice is yeah you know I have to tell you, Lynn, in my career, if I had a nickel for every time somebody asked me about even taking the lanyard off about this, you know, and and what I would do with patients and families is that I would say to them, what do you, you know, because again, a lot of times it was a family's asking about, in terms of the patient, can you take the lanyard off before you go in? Because the lanyard had the name on it. Yes, exactly. So I, you know, I would actually say to them, look at, you know, what are your worries? What are your concerns? And and a lot of times, because people have these misrepresentations, there's this worry that the person or their loved one would think that by having hospice in, it was about giving up. And what we are able to really do is to talk to that person and educate that this is not about giving up, that you know hope is a big thing. And people think, oh, you bring in hospice, you give up hope. It's actually quite the contrary. You bring in hospice, you actually redefine hope. But there is a lot to hope for at this stage of life. And a lot of times people are hoping things. And in my 35-year career, I have to tell you, when I would ask the question about what, what are your worries, what are your wishes, what are your needs, I've never in 35 years had a person say to me, make me, make me well, you know, fix this diagnosis. It was always something that could be managed. So it's important to understand that about them. There's a lot to hope for, whether it's to be pain, free of pain and other symptoms, whether it's to have more time with family and loved ones, whether it's to be um, to have time to reconcile, to make amends, to finish unfinished business. There is a lot to do at this time of life that we call dying. Almost like a bucket list. Oh, the bucket list is there. The bucket yeah. list is there. And what I see, you know, what I've seen, I've seen some great stories because, again, you and I have been at Care Dimensions for many years. We won't tell you guys how old we are. <laughs> um, but we've been there a long time. And some of the great, you know, the great stories I see, some some people's bucket list is getting to that last Red Sox game. Right. Getting to see, you know, their horse that they can spend a couple hours with just, you know, to make sure that they see their horse and you know get get some um, some comfort from that, we've had um, family members you know wanting to see uh, you know a wedding ceremony or see their son get married or their daughter graduate. So there there's attainable goals and yeah. there's you know there's quality goals. Like you said, it's not about I want to get better. I you know I want to be cancer free. It's it's that bucket list of yeah. what you want to do. And it's not even that they don't want it, but they know people right. people know. That's the thing, too, is that we think we're hiding something from. So if I also had a nickel for every time a family would say to me, don't tell my loved one that they're dying. And then I'd go into the loved one and they'd say, don't tell my fi- you know, my family that I'm dying. Of co- Everybody knew, but it was like, you know, people were trying to protect one another. It was the elephant in the living room. Nobody would talk about it. It doesn't protect one another. What it does is it creates an obstacle, again, at this very precious time of life. This is the stuff we need. To, the stuff that we need to talk about most is the stuff we run the furthest from. And this is stuff that's really important. I want to come back to your comment, too, Lynn, about this bucket list. Listen, bucket lists are great things. 
you know, and the reason why a bucket list is a way of setting an intention. And a lot of times people think of a bucket list as, you know, something that we do, like it has to be like, it's costly, right? It, it's something it's like true. you have to like take a, a trip. trip. We got to yeah. do this. We got to do Let me tell you, bucket lists are, they're, they're so much more than that. And you described a lot of them that doesn't cost anything, but it's a way of setting an intention, something that's important to that person and that defines who they are. A lot people, you know, when you look at people's bucket lists, you can tell a lot about them, right? And what's important to them. Yeah. So and probably their age too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, but think about it, right? Listen, thirty years ago, you might had bungee jumping on your bucket list. Is it there anymore? Not so much. And I'm a little afraid of heights, so I don't know if it was there thirty years ago. But But see what I mean? But what's important to us at one point in our life? It really things get reprioritized and readjusted. So it's important to understand because our lives shape us. And again, we we define ourselves, right? And and it's important to people at end of life that they know that their life had significance and meaning. And I think a bucket list factors into that as well. It's so true, Mary. And you know, the bucket list could change from moment to moment when someone has a terminal illness also. Because, I, you know, you could have a bucket list, you get diagnosed, that bucket list stays the same, but you're given, you know, a certain amount of time that you might have less left, your bucket list is going to change to meet right. the, to the time frame, I would think. Yes. You know, it's funny because as hard as it is, right, that we do have a, we do have a point in life, we have an end point. And, and again, we don't always know when that's going to be. But having an end point, it, it, you know, as hard as that is for people, there's actually positive things that come from that. Knowing that we have only a limited time on this earth helps us to savor life more, helps us to to kind of follow through with our commitments and and to follow through on what's important to us, to really and you know savor our relationships and other things in life. It it well, really repair, gives us pre- even re- repair a relationship, Mary. Would you think? Oh my gosh! I mean, there's so many people yeah. that you know over years certain things aggravate people minor things and they stop talking but it's also a chance to reconnect I agree with with family members or long lost friends or family members that you know and you wonder why you haven't talked to them for 20 years and it becomes minimal like the problem right absolutely again gives gives people an opportunity again to kind of look at things reprioritize you know and and that's part of what we do like in life review and doing that kind of reminiscing life review things part of that is working out some of the stuff that and and realizing looking at our accomplishments but also looking at the things that needed to be reworked too just like you're describing and truly I'm gonna go back to the hospice word the H word the interdisciplinary team that cares for these patients on hospice, the social workers, the chaplains, the nurses, mm-hmm. they're going to help these patients and families realize or, you know, how to accomplish their bucket list or, or even get them to, to write it down, to right. understand, you know, what's important and all. So, you know, a terminal illness, uh, you know, a life-limiting illness diagnosis is devastating to people, but having a hospice team there help guide yeah you know guide people through it is that i see that as a benefit well it is you know people might not even call it a bucket list this is one of the things i love about hospice and palliative care and this is how it's different from other type of areas in medicine is that they look at what is important to the person what is the person's disease process what are the treatment options if any and and if any because a lot of times that medical intervention is futile but then we come in and then the other things that we look at as also with the benefits burdens right in this palliative care but the other piece which is so important which i think is the most important is what is the person priorities 
And how do we align treatment approaches to the person's priorities? We don't always ask that question in healthcare. That's part of palliative care and what they do. More about Care Dimensions. Care Dimensions provides compassionate care throughout all stages of an advancing illness. Our expansive services and expert staff honor the richness of patients' lives, addressing complex medical issues as well as emotional, spiritual, and family concerns. We treat patients with dignity and respect so they may live as fully as possible. Care Dimensions one of the nation's first hospice programs and the region's largest, provides services in more than 95 communities in eastern Massachusetts. For more information, please visit our website at www.caredimensions.org or call us at 888-283-1722. Mary, such great information. I'm hoping that our listeners um, learn so much from our episodes that we're doing. Um, and I know you talk about the patient, and I, you know, I'm always um, amazed to see how much work we can do and how much benefit we give, can give to the caregivers also. So each episode, I want to read a testimonial that we receive from our um, grateful caregivers, because I think our listeners hearing firsthand from a family that experienced hospice is going to be very important because, yeah. you know, they're afraid of hospice. You know, people are afraid of hospice, and this is going to, you know, kind of enlighten them. Yeah, well, I I think it's important that you do that too, Lynn, because I, I think that, again, it's so important for how it affects a person's bereavement. You can see, and, and I think that that will show up in some of these comments from families, because this is how that person died is going to affect the family and the loved one's bereavement, and that's really important. It's very true. We don't ever want to feel, yeah, I always say, I never want to feel guilty. Right. Once, once a loved one is gone, you don't want to carry that guilt around because your loved one's gone, they're at peace, but know what? You have to live the rest of your life. And if you have guilt around, you know, that loved one's death, that's going to follow you forever. Right. We want to have as little regret as possible in life. We're human beings. We're hardwired for guilt. Yeah, we're hardwired. Sure but I'll tell you, there's a lot we can do around that. But, but most importantly, if we know that our loved one got good quality end-of-life care, we can lay our head on the pillow at night. Sounds great. Recently, we um, received this letter um, from a grateful family, actually, that their, um, their loved one passed on our services. And um, I'm just going to read it. Um, it says, Care Dimensions team, I wanted to thank all of you from the bottom of my heart for all you've done for my dad and my family over the past two months. Never in a million years did we ever think we'd be faced with such a difficult time but we are so grateful he was cared for and as peaceful as could be. From reception to the nurses to the social workers, Reiki and massage therapists, to everyone who cleaned the rooms, every single person at Care Dimensions made us feel so welcome and was so kind to us and my dad. I'll never forget how Nash was so attentive to him and how the nurses gave me a shoulder to cry on when I needed it. Thank you all. Now, you can hear from this letter that people get confused because they often wonder if, if hospice is a place. Hospice can be provided anywhere a patient calls home. This patient was actually at one of our hospice houses. So when you hear the letter and they talk about the rooms being cleaned and um, a reception desk, mm -hmm. this is, and this is um, at one of our um, hospice houses. And we, on one of our uh, future episodes, we'll go really in pretty deep into what a hospice house is, what type of hospice house it is because there's certain, um, there's certain levels of care that can be done at certain hospice houses and introduce you to the, the hospice team. 
Um, but I hope this testimonial kind of gives you insight to what we brought to a daughter whose father passed on our services. Mm. It's, it's beautiful. And again, like you can see the impact that this will have. This family member and the family, she spoke about how it impacted all of the family members. They'll carry that with them and that will matter to them indefinitely for years to come. So this, this is really important. Yeah. And this, you know what, I read these letters and this is why we got into hospice too, mm -hmm. because we're impacting people's lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's other things we could be doing in life, but this is what, this was what calls us and, and this is what matters. Please join us on our next episode as we discuss myths and misconceptions around hospice. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Living Forever, Not an Option with Lynn Skarmis and Mary Crow. To learn more about Care Dimensions, please visit our website at www.caredimensions.org or check out our podcast website at www.caredimensions.org backslash podcast. We would love to hear from you with questions or comments. Please feel free to email us at podcast at caredimensions.org and of course, you can always call our office at any time. The number is 888-283-1722.